I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You are listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Shore, seventy-two hour non-stop protection. Tested to the limits. Sure, it won't let you down. Hello and welcome to the GA Hour brought to you by Sure 72 Hour Protection with me, uh, Niall McIntyre. Um, it was a festival of football at the weekend, arguably the, the most action packed Gaelic football weekend of the year with four quarter finals. Um, whether it lived up to it, um, I suppose that's what we're going to discuss today. And uh, with me is my right hand man, Lee Costello. And uh, we have Alan Brogan as well, who has had a smile on his face all morning. So how's things, Alan? Good, yeah, good. Good weekend for the Dubs. Um, as you said, I'm not sure it was. It was as a football fan last week um, when the draws were made. It was there was like the excitement building all week. I'm not sure, as you say, it quite lived up to to um, maybe what to what we expected. But as a dub, we're uh, as a dub, we're happy enough this morning. We'll take that any day. A 12 point win against Mayo. He definitely will. Um, it, it, I suppose it was just looking at the weekend as a whole. Like you were, the draws were perfect, so evenly matched, and one side of games yeah. really, apart from the Derry and Cork was tight enough. But apart from um, the Monaghan Armagh game, it was it, Tyrone disappointedly. Oh yeah. Just desperate stuff to be honest. Um, you know, it was disappointing because we teed it up and there was so much build up. But I suppose we had two great weekends of football with loads of action and drama, and three in a row may have just been a bit too much for the heart. Maybe that was it. Um, it was like the Dublin of old, um, Alan, really, uh, on Sunday. They're tight early on, rootless when they got the chances, and then kind of just took care of Mayo, got rid of them in, in the third quarter. Um, Desi Farrell, he, he's urging people not to get carried away, but I suppose looking at that and how good they were yesterday, probably their their best performance in a good few years, it's hard enough not to. Yeah, it is. And I think to be fair to Desi, like over the last couple of years, probably an issue Dublin had was probably the strength of the bench. It wouldn't have been the same calibre as it maybe it was towards the end of the six in a row and stuff. So I think to see to see Kieran Kilkenny um, coming off the bench yesterday to see Jack McCaffrey coming off the bench I think the lads knowing that in the background that we have these lads to bring in is 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 very comforting for the lads on the field and maybe compared to Mayo who certainly didn't have that strength coming off the bench when they needed it but like, like I think Dublin like Mayo were well in the match um, and I watched it closely in the first half it was a very entertaining game of football maybe completely unlike some of the other ones there was a lot of kick passing Dublin probably kicked past them more than they have in any game in the last number of years um, Mayo the same like so there was opportunity to deliver a quick ball in which is obviously very pleasing for, for kind of for the spectators makes it makes it a much better watch maybe than what some what some of the other games were but I think like it hinged on kind of crucial moments there's no doubt at half time Dublin decided to up the ante in the third quarter to see 
could Mayo stay with them, but I think the second goal, like the the the, the mistake to let Paul Manny get a toe on that ball, and it was finished very well by 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 Cormac and, and um, Colin Pascal. To be fair, um, I could see Cormac coming in, and he likes a goal. Cormac and see he's going to go for this himself, but he kind of slipped as he as he came to the mm-hmm. keeper, and he he nearly had to hand pass it across, and it was a it was a great finish. But I I say in his head he was lining up. I'm going to slide this in the bottom corner somewhere. But to be fair to him, they finished very well. But that was kind of the real turning point. Um, I think after that, like I think there was a period of twenty, maybe twenty-four minutes where, like, either side of half time where mm-hmm. Mayo didn't get a score, and at, like at that level, that's that's just too long a period. Yeah, it was it was brilliant from Cormac Oslo the way the ball broke out and he he flicked it up, chipped it, yeah. chipped it up, lovely, like yeah. in such a tight space. Um, like I suppose the question marks over Dublin coming into it were, do you know, have they been road tested? The the game they played against Roscommon, they were, do you know, they were. A little bit off that day, didn't really push up on Roscommon, maybe gave Roscommon a bit too much space, but um, it was a different ball game from them yesterday. They just like, just watching them at the game, I suppose what summed it up was the, the forwards and the, the pressure they put the Mayo backs under was was unbelievable from like pushing them, w- putting them under pressure, even when they were back in their own half back line. Like we're, we're kind of, we're frustrated at watching Gaelic football where, Teams are kind of just let have the ball and have free possessions and do what they want. But Dublin didn't give any of that yesterday. Yeah, and maybe that was a bit of a shock to the system to Mayo. Like their defenders are probably used to having time to to play the ball around the middle of the field, wait for the opportunity, wait for the wait for the right moment to run. But they didn't get any of that against Dublin. And even on the kickouts, like they 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 put the Mayo goalkeeper under serious pressure on his kickouts. And like he's a big boot of a ball, and kind of once or twice he did get it over the press. But you could see, I, like. I was listening to Kevin McStay last night and he, he thought he managed it okay. And to be fair to me, he, he probably did manage it okay, but Dublin made it really, really hard for him. They put it under pressure mm-hmm. on every kick out. And like the Dublin the Dublin kickouts where Mayo were trying to put pressure on, but Clucko was still getting every kick out out. Like I was in the Hogan stand um, and he picked Brian Howard out with a couple left foot kick down into the corner. Brian Howard made a run and three or four times and just like his ability to retain Stephen Clucko's ability to retain kickouts is, is is as we know as good as what's out there and that had a huge bearing on the match whereas on the other side even though Todd Colin Reed did okay in his kickouts he was under serious pressure every time he put the ball down he was it was like a blue wave coming up against him and like you'd have felt sorry for him because there was no space and he just had to bomb it like he didn't yeah. really have another option um, in fairness to him um, look we'll, we'll talk about it a bit more but first Alan you, you'd be familiar with this modern game I think you're you're still playing with the with the Oliver Plunkett's intermediate team, and who might have a, a chance. A little birdie tells me in the Dublin Intermediate Championship. <laughs> <laughs> I am still playing a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure about having a chance in the Intermediate Championship, but um, now well, we're going okay. We're going okay. We're Division Four, um, which is which is not a bad standard in Dublin. Um, um, I don't play every game. Um, I kind of play when when I'm available, but. Uh, and in Division 4 there's a couple of teams in the, there's probably three or four teams that it's actually their first team in Division 4 so they, they they obviously take it quite seriously they're looking to get promoted to Division 3 whereas probably Division 4 is probably the right level for, for for our second team to try to get young lads through and stuff but a few weeks ago we were playing against um, St Finian's out in Swords if you know them and um, I started on the bench and, and, and I was actually a few minutes late for the match and when I got there one of the lads on the sideline said to me uh, that's Andy Mallon there isn't it that he was wearing number 6 um, and he's completely shaven head I've probably gone a little bit bald and I hadn't seen him in a few years and I, thought, I wouldn't think he's got like he's shaven headed yet it doesn't really look like him um, 
so I went on about, but I, I started to see him playing this fellow. He was up and down. He was he was fit as end, you know. So um, I said, yeah, maybe it is him. Um, and after five minutes of the second half, I went on. And I went on full forward. Andy was playing number six. And as soon as I went in full forward, their coach was saying, Andy, go back on him. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't sign up now for Andy Mallon to be marking me in an intermediate club match. So anyway, he came, he came back on me and I was him. Shook his hand. How are you, Andy? Um, the game was in the melting pot at that stage. Uh, it was kind of tight enough I think they were maybe a point up but in the last 20 minutes he went up and he kicked two points and played from full back off me so uh, so I'm happy enough when we're playing against lads that maybe haven't in their county experience or like he's mm-hmm. I don't know what age he is 36, 37 but he could he could probably still be doing a job for a mad say the Nicky was in so so occasionally you meet lads like that and they can be they can be tough days but uh, no I still enjoy it that's the main thing that's the modern game isn't it full backs bombing up the field <laughs> yeah well certainly fellas like him he was well able to get up and kick a score but uh, yeah I suppose you see it a lot now yeah maybe not at intermediate level all the time because generally the full backs aren't made for uh, aren't made for getting up to kick scores but he was certainly well able definitely um, so the two brothers are playing with you as well yeah yeah we played uh, we played a game last week actually Paul. Paul still plays. He's captain of the team, actually. So, um, and Bernard was out last week. He played his first game of the year last week. So, okay. so we might get a few championship games on over the summer now. So, we might get an old three-man full forward like myself, Bernard and Paul at some stage. Yeah, <laughs> Paul will be as fit as ever after his stint on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, he would. He's in better nick than me and Bernard anyway. That's for sure. But uh, I know he's decent now. To be fair, Paul's a big unit now. Yeah. So when he gets when he gets one-on-one with someone in there, he can be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. God help, uh, intermediate cornerback that might be faced with Bernard Brogan. No, Adam Brogan, Paul no, Brogan. Can you imagine? Like, it's like when you're saying people maybe showing up just expecting or wanting um, some recreational level stuff and then to come up against you boys, I'd be yeah. absolutely fuming. But like you say, in Dublin itself anyway, that that's actually a, re- a really high level of, of football. But I'd love to go see that and see all the Brogan boys back in action, just like a, a throwback nearly. So are you able to train as much as, like, make to most of the trainings? Or uh, I only go to an odd one, to be honest. Okay. I've kind of... Um, I kind of like, like I think that level is that kind of level of football is more like I think for us should be more about feeding the senior team. So, okay. so like it's actually a friend of mine manages the team, and I say to him, look, if there's young lads there, let's play the young lads to make sure they're getting they're getting the game time and stuff. Um, so we can keep trying to feed the senior teams. But look, sometimes we're short, like every club, sometimes we're short and kind of longitudes on at the weekend. Half the lads have gone to longitudes. <laughs> we need to feel the team. So I didn't play at the weekend, but but I saw I saw a picture of the team. There's a few lads there was a few lads playing now that probably hadn't played in a couple of years. Good few years older than me now. So but we managed to get a win. We beat Tem- Temple Oaks Things three intermediate so but there was a few lads now that probably hadn't featured in a few years. Yeah, that, that's the thing, isn't it? The half the lads would be at the latter end yeah, of their career yeah. and then half the lads we go into longitude. So yeah, like it's yeah. a how do you find the mix with the youngsters? Like it's probably a, like they're a different breed, I'd say nowadays. Ah, yeah, youngsters, look, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's I enjoy that side of like seeing young lads play, and I'd rather like I'd rather be on the line and let the young lads play than me in there. So um, well, that's what I, that's what I always say to I always say to manage if there's young lads there, let the young lads play, and I'll come in at the end for a few minutes or whatever. Um, and look, come on, I don't. I, I'm, I'm I'm very conscious of kind of injuries and stuff, and like picking up an injury at this stage and you do I get aches and sores after like but I've been lucky enough now in the last few years of my career that 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 injuries have been okay and I'm sure I get a bit of arthritis and time and stuff in a few but I haven't been I haven't been too bad so I'm very conscious now you don't want to be coming home now with a with a like a crucial ligament injury <laughs> yeah. or something like that and yeah. into a cast I had a problem with my wrist and it gets sore every now and again I went to see a specialist and he said probably needs to be operated on again you'll be three months in a cast I was like god I'll wait until it's nearly hanging off before I go back <laughs> into a cast for three months yeah but it's a, it's obviously a love for the club that keeps it going for you because you're living out in Castleknock and 
I suppose, as you said yourself there, trying to sometimes you might you just have to fill the numbers and that's that's what it that's it's the love of the club that keeps you coming back. Yeah, it is. And you know what I still enjoy it. Like when I go out and play, like I still enjoy getting on the ball and giving a few passes and kinda of kicking a few scores. Like the fitness probably isn't where it probably where it needs to be, but uh you go out and you try your best for the team and stuff. That's all that that's all you can do, isn't it? And There's is no there is there any young lads coming through that we should keep an eye out for? Um yeah, no. like it's been a tough few years in Plunk, to be fair. Like we had a team where we obviously got the three county finals. Yeah. Um, we lost the three of them, unfortunately, um, one after a replay. And, and our team aged very much at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like it was, a, it was a very settled team for a long number of years. And then a few of us started to retire. So we dropped down to Division 2 a number of years ago. Now we're steady enough in Division 2, our senior team. It's, 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 um, and it's a small club, Plunk. It's like, even though it's, it's, it's probably well known because of the amount of... We, like over the last number of years, we've been kind of lucky enough to have a good few lads on the on the on the Dublin squad or whatever. Like Ross McConnell was on it for a while. Declan Lally was on it. He came and joined Plunkett. Jo came and joined Plunkett. Obviously, so the, the, like like for the size of the club, we probably boxed above our weight for for a number of years there. So I suppose the period of a period of rebuilding now and um, like Sean Bugler is obviously the obvious one coming yeah. to Plunkett, and I would have seen him from like a very young age. Um, was destined to make it, and I still think there's probably a bit more. He's probably quite enough yesterday. There's probably a bit more football in him as well. Like, you know, yeah, but it's maybe his best really season so far. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think his first season he got an, he got an All Star, he got an All Star nomination. Um, but he's been very like he's very settled in the team now. He was probably fighting for his position for a number of years there, and he looks he looks very settled now. And he, even if he was a bit quiet yesterday, but look, he does the simple like if you watch him, and I watch him very closely. He does the simple things really well. He links the players as a centre forward really well and when he gets his when he gets his opportunity to take lads on one on one he has like he has blister and pace and he can score as well. So I think I think himself and Colin Bascala probably made a huge difference to that that Dublin forward line this mm-hmm. year and probably put a little bit of pressure back on the likes of Kieran Kilkenny and stuff like like I think to see Kieran on the bench yesterday. Um whilst we expected him to start to see him there is obviously a sign that there's there's a bit of strength and depth there now and um lads are having to fight for their place and you you can be sure Kieran now could not start yesterday would have hurt him so he'd be he'd be chomping at the bit now for the next still probably have a rest for a few days and do two or three sessions maybe of an A's versus B's match next week so that'd be interesting now because that competition for places yeah. is there um, You had um, Paul Gavin in Plunkett's for a while yeah. too did you? Another. Yeah he came uh, we were it was nearly like the last throw of the dice we were trying to get that championship across the line and he he uh, he, he joined for a couple of years we actually got knocked out by Castlenock in the, in the quarterfinals that year um, but uh, yeah, he did well for us. Played wing forward. He he was probably coming to the end of his days as well, like like myself. But um, fortunately, didn't get across the line in the end. And that's uh, uh, actually spoken a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. But I haven't kind of very very many regrets in my uh, football career in general. But kind of not winning the county final and not for myself, more so for the for the people of the club and stuff. Not getting that. Like there was a lot of people put a lot of effort into into that senior team over a number of years in Plunkett's and kind of not not getting that across the line for them was kind of one of the regrets and I said yesterday losing the 06 semi-final to Mayo was probably they're probably the only two that really stick out in my head um, and again not for myself in 06 but more so for mm-hmm. that group of players that that had kind of come together under Tommy Lyons and then managed by Pillar Caffrey like it was a very kind of close-knit tight um, group or team or whatever so I think Kind of that team not getting to an All Ireland final. Now we might not have won it, but I think not getting 
an opportunity to play in the final for 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 Pillar, his management team, and that group of players is is uh, is another regret. I have. What a game that was, though. Like, and yeah. mar- I was marching up to the hill and stuff, yeah, wasn't it? Was it? Magic, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was brilliant. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the, the the Mayo came down to our end. Yeah, and but, but people always ask me if that affected, but we actually started that game really well. Yeah. we went four or five four or five points up. So it was it definitely wasn't what happened before the game that beat us. It was probably kind of more so in the last. Bit of naivety, maybe, maybe a bit of kind of thinking we had the job done seven up with twenty to go. You would expect to have the job done, but you know, kind of like Mayo, you can never, you can never write them off in any game, and um, just got caught in the hop by obviously a great score by Kieran McDonald yeah. at the end. If you remember, yeah, yeah. it was class. Mm-hmm. I think Andy Moran got a goal as well to to, to, uh, to get them back into it. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was disappointing. Just on the the county final losses, like there was three in it was in the space of six or seven years. Um, obviously really tough and they were tight ones as well wasn't the last one only a point against Vincent's and do you know like you, you obviously when you look at your career people think about the All-Ireland wins and all the great wins you had with Dublin but like I say a lot of people can probably empathise with the you know the struggle too and Plunkett's never won the they've never won the Dublin Senior no, Championship so no. like, yeah as I said like it's a very small club out in the Navan Road like hasn't a big hasn't a big catchment area like our catchment area really only Spreads from say the the the, the kind of top of the Navan Road, um, where St Bridget starts, and we're down as far as the 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 um, Garda Station in Cabra. So it's a very small area. Um, so for Stephen playing three county finals is probably an achievement in itself. But yeah, like the Vincents one is probably like Vincents. I think were after coming off the back of their their All Ireland win. I think or maybe it was the year before, and they were probably a better team than us that year. Um, even though it was only a point or two, and we got a goal. I got a goal towards the end of it to maybe put a Okay. Did a bit of respectability on it, but the other two, we played Bridget's in two thousand, obviously local rivalry in two thousand eleven after winning the All Ireland. So to, like, they'll make an excuses. We probably had a bit of a hangover from the from literally <laughs> from from the All Ireland win, and maybe we probably didn't get it together as well as we should have coming into that game. And Bridget's cost. Well, they were a good team as well. They were kind of in their prime at, at like at that stage as well. Had won a county final in o, in o three, I think so. Um, beat us ten eight in in a, in a Kind of dour enough game, but and in away in two thousand and eight, Kim could bet us after a replay, and um, we were winning one of the first game very well. I think Johnny McGee came on and got two goals, and they kind of leveled it up. So we had opportunities of both, mm. and that was probably the one like we were very strong that year, um, kind of really in our prime, and maybe just maybe just didn't believe that we like small club against Kim McCord. Maybe when it came to the crunch, didn't believe that we could beat them. But kind of looking back now that that was that was definitely one that got away yeah. wait. and if we had a won that one who knows like we yeah, still had yeah. about five or six years ahead of us who knows what might have happened but it was, uh, were you ever um, was your father ever manager in any of those did no. you ever play under no no oh, we no. never no he managed Paul's team underage but he never managed at that level or, oh. um, or, he never he did manage a senior team in Plunks before we started to play but not when we were playing now so oh. um, Mick Alvin actually managed the the, the Nick Alvin, who's involved now with Desi in his backroom team, he manages for four or five years from about oh nine to he was in charge when Bridges beat us. Um so we go there was a good setup, like we were well we were well organising, but just fortunately couldn't get it across the line, yeah. There you go. Um you we move on from that, will we? Yeah, we move on from that. <laughs> Let's go back to Dublin Mayo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we will. We'll we'll go straight into the into the Dublin Mayo game and I suppose Look, uh, there was only one point in it at, at halftime, um, but I suppose at that time Dublin were, you know, they were turning the screw a small bit. Niall Scully had hit the post. You kind of felt the Jordan Flynn goal might, do you know, that it was ruled out that that might affect Mayo. Um, 
there was a breeze there and a halftime. You, you would have been a small bit worried for, for Mayo, but um, the worries were definitely confirmed with, straight away in the second half, really, because there was uh, Dublin got 1-3 without reply in the first five minutes of the second half. Lee. Yeah, I mean, at halftime, I thought Mayo were maybe slightly the better team, but they went in a point down. Um, and it was just about how they were going to respond to it. And that was sort of my thinking watching the game. But it was Dublin who really turned it on. Um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask Alan, actually, because I think my thinking before the match was I've just put a lot of emphasis and I put a lot of importance on Division 1 teams. I think, you know, and, and especially for like a Dublin, because they're always going to walk Leinster. And then, so to play Division 2 all season, then Leinster Championship. And then I think Ross Commons, the only Division 1 team they played all year. I just thought, like, if you're never going to get that match intensity and stuff, but I'm obviously overthinking it. It isn't maybe as important as we think it is. Yeah, like it's 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 like like it's hard to know. And Dublin have been a little a little incons or have looked a little bit inconsistent, but then they probably haven't been really challenged yet in the in the in like in the last four or five games. And I saw them against Sligo last uh, in the last game in the group stage and they obviously bet Sligo well but I thought they just looking at them I thought they moved it really really well like in that game they had four or five point fisted points um, which could easily have been on another day could have been could have been goals and I think they maybe took the foot off the gas a little bit I think I think Conor Callahan in particular if you watch him he never like he's ruthless against the top teams when he gets in on goal but he if 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 Dublin are winning well against a perceived less lesser opposition he generally tends to just give the fist pass over the goal. Mm. He doesn't. He doesn't look to me like he likes to rub it in and really, really hammer teams, which is which is an admirable trait, I think, because that game was well over. He fisted a couple of points, but mm. um, yeah, like like at halftime yesterday, I was I was a bit the same. I was I was kind of a little bit worried, but I was thinking about it beforehand. And and even if you look at the Kerry Tyrone match, so I had that game pitched very close. I had the the, the Mayo Dublin match pitched very close. But after the Kerry Tyrone match, when I actually thought about it, I was like, so. They've known of the quality of David Clifford. I'm not even sure if they have somebody the quality of, of Paddy Clifford, even though Myler did a decent job on him. They did a good old battle. So Kerry individually have have better players than Tyrone at the moment. There's no doubt about it. I thought the other mistake Tyrone made was not having Colin McShane. And I'm not sure was he carrying a knocker stuff, but just his presence. And you could see what he went in. He just attracts he just attracts defenders to him because he's so dangerous. And I think with the Tyrone forward line, especially with the Cannibals, maybe lighter, quicker footballers, having a fella like him in there just to support them as a foil or whatever, I think would have been a much better option for Tyrone. Unfortunately, when he went in, the game was over when Colin mm. McShane went in, even though he did quite well. Um, but when I thought about that game after, I thought there's actually there's a chance here that Dublin could beat Mayo well. If they perform, there's a chance they could beat them well because I thought Dublin had the better individual players, had the better forwards and stuff. And there was a little bit of inexperience in the in the Mayo full back line. Um, and I thought that came... Like I thought they were under pressure, especially when they when they came under pressure towards the end of the first half, start of the second half. I thought the Mayfield back line was under a lot of pressure. I thought Porrick O'Hare, Cormac um, Costello, I think was on Porrick O'Hare, and he definitely looked under pressure against him. So it was it was a tough day for the Mayfield back line. As I said, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of space to kick in and stuff. So I thought that <coughs> mm -hmm. that kind of played right into Dublin's hands. And um, I think the benches then obviously made a big difference too, having Kieran and Kenny and Jack to come off the bench compared to what Mayo had. I think was uh, was poles apart and that ultimately told even though by the time Kieran came in the game was probably close to put to bed at that stage anyway Yeah well you could see it in the first um, five minutes of the second half that the Mayo backs were under savage pressure the Colin Reap was under savage pressure with every kick out he was hitting Dublin had all avenues closed off so he, he had to go along really um, one thing I wanted to ask you Alan is like 
there's been a lot of talk this year that, you know, forwards, that they have to be able to work as hard as, they have to be able to work as hard as backs. And it even, you could see it in the way Monaghan were picking their team earlier in the year that Jack McCarron mightn't start. Yeah. There was one day Jack McCarron and Conor McManus didn't start. Um, the one thing that stands out with Dublin is that they're, it stands out to me, is that they're all so equal in how they, like how they defend really is everyone defends with the same like intensity and aggression. Um, there's no like soft touch, say, say McManus might be considered that way with Monaghan as a defender, that the lads will get away with him. Everyone seems to work equally hard in that Dublin forward line. Um, and, do you know, it's Mayo just couldn't deal with it, I suppose. Yeah. But I think like, there's a couple of instances of that over the last few years. Like if, like if you look at Paul Mannion now, obviously he's known as an exceptional scorer, um, very accurate and stuff. But my kind of abiding memories of Paul Mannion is is his tackles by some of the interceptions back in the full back line, the way he tackles, the way he forces dispossessions, and he's nearly as well known for that now as he is for any of his forward play. Carmel Costello is another one who who like if you talk about soft touches, he might have been perceived as maybe doesn't work as hard back um, as some of the others. But if you look at him now, like mm-hmm. and it's probably because he's had to do it to hold on to his place in the team. Because if you don't do it in that team, there's somebody there's an equal forward that will come in and is going to work harder than you. So if you look at Carmel Costello the way if you look Carmel Costello now compared to when he started his career like he never stops working now he's always looking for opportunities to get tackles on he'll work back as, as far back as he has to go and, 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 and that's probably cemented his place in the team but kind of you're right there's, there's, like when Kieran comes in he's working he's getting dispossessions all the Dublin forwards can dispossess it if they get the opportunity and I'm not sure that's the same and that's the same in other teams they've probably worked I'm not sure it's even the same in Kerry, to be honest, which I'm not sure if the Kerry forwards maybe work as hard as the Dublin forwards. And it is, that's something that's kind of evolved with Dublin since Jim, probably since Pat Gilroy's time, to be honest with you. There's not many left from that era, but it's like it's followed on from there. Certainly in Pillar's Caffrey, Pillar Caffrey's time. Now, we didn't know then maybe what we know now, but we didn't work as hard as a forward unit as, even though we thought we might have been, mm-hmm. but we certainly didn't work as hard as a forward unit as 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 the current six Dublin forwards do. Um, and I suppose that's an admirable trait in, in, in probably the best team. The best team we've ever seen probably is that they're, they're probably the hardest working team as well. And um, I think that's come from, they've obviously worked hard on how they tackle and how they set traps around the field for, for to try to get two and ones to force turnovers and stuff. And it's a huge part of the game now is how you force turnovers. And, and the higher up you can force the turnover, obviously the better chance you have of getting a score off, you know, so yeah. it's something they've worked really hard on. You know? Just on, you mentioned the Pat Gallery era, I just remember meeting uh, Bernard's book, your brother, and he was talking about how maybe he was one of the more reluctant ones to track back, you know, he wanted to set up and, you know, maybe he stay up front and everyone else track back and he could be the outlet. As a such, like, do you remember that time? What what eventually won him over? Because then Bernard became one of the best, like he could strip the ball off yeah. a lot of defenders and create chances. Yeah, well, yeah, well, like I think Pat used Bernard as a bit of a, uh, I don't know, what would you call it? Like he, he, well, he said sacrificial example, lamb. Sacrificial lamb, yeah, that's the word, that's the word for, he yeah. said himself. So, so. <laughs> and to be fair to Pat, he, like he probably spoke to Bernard about it first. Now, Bernard did have to improve that, and, and, and he did, as we know, and he worked really, really hard for the team. But he used Bernard as that's it. That sacrificial lamb. So if you're not willing to do this, then you won't be on the team. And he moved Bernard onto the bench. Then he played wing forward and stuff, doing all this sort of stuff. Put him back. He made him play wing back in training matches and stuff, just to <laughs> as that sacrificial lamb to show that kind of no one's above, no one's above kind of working hard for the team. And um, like that was very much the basis on what Pat's philosophy was made. Was that you just work as hard as you can, and then we will add the add the um, add the rest of it on. And it's funny. 
Look, I know we were speaking about our man and, and how how defensive they were yesterday, and that's uh, like here McGinney's seven years at that, and I understand you get your defensive structure right first, but the forward play, like Pat moved his forward play on after twelve months of a focusing on defence. Six backs stay back. So in his first year in the National League, the wing backs weren't allowed to attack. The six backs just stayed back in their six positions. So we had a solid base at the back. And then that obviously evolved over time. And the next year we started to work a bit more on the forward play, having wing backs attacking and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole philosophy was based on having a solid foundation at the back and stopping the other team scoring. And then um, obviously like it evolved from that. We weren't as defensive the following year. But it, like in Pat's first year, people look back like we were... It was 14 behind the ball and he just stopped the other team scoring. And certainly in league matches and stuff, that was all we worked on. There wasn't even talk of forward play. It was just get that foundation right from the back. And I think that's kind of evolved over the last 10 or 12 years, but it's still ingrained in lads' minds that, that you get your defensive duties right first and whatever happens after that is 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 a, is a bonus. Was it hard to get used to that, Alan? Like, <clears throat> say when you started out, you were probably this scoring forward and, do you know, you probably think... You know, I'm I'm a, I'm scoring and working hard isn't probably like the your number one facet in the game. And even when you mentioned about Brogan Bernard there playing um, wing back in, in training games, like it, it was like when did that change kind of come in? And is it was it hard for like scoring forwards to get used to that initially? Uh, yeah, it probably was. But I think at that stage we'd have done anything like to. to Maybe try and even get to an all and final. Like, like I'd lost four semi-finals. But I think the real turning point was so Pat came in in 09 and he kind of followed on from what Pillar Caffrey had been doing. Like we were very close under Pillar, Ca- under Pillar Caffrey. Obviously lost a couple of semi-finals. But um, Pat kind of followed on in that vein pe- playing a similar style of football with con- kind of some similar personnel. One or two changes. But the loss against Kerry in 09 really he ripped up the playbook after that and we just went back to right let's not even talk about forward play we're just going to get our defensive structure right at the start of 2010 and six backs stayed back with the two midfielders and it was up to the half forwards be back it was up to the four forwards to get the scores and just make sure you get enough scores to win us the match so like if you look back at the like the scores our scoring rate probably went way down but what we conceded went went way down as well and that formed a that formed the uh, formed the basis going forward but I think like I knew things had to change obviously like I'd lost four semi-finals and um, whilst we'd be involved in great attacking games we weren't winning the big games like the better teams were, were like the, the like especially Tyrone probably the Kerrys were, were tactically better than us so we knew we had to improve that and that's that was probably the biggest thing that Pat brought to me Definitely um, You mentioned there that you know the dub, we were talking about how, how hard the Dublin forwards work and every one of them works hard and is that I suppose the the difference in between in the Dublin Kerry setups maybe is that Clifford is kind of given David Clifford's given maybe a small bit more of a license to just kind of wait up and you see him sometimes if a lad is running out of um, defence he kind of leaves it off to another lad like is that kind of the the difference in between the Dublin and Kerry setup and I suppose what will if they meet um, later on in the year that that'll be the difference is whether Clifford's I suppose genius down the other end of the field can kind of overpower the the work that maybe Dublin are doing on the other end like yeah it, it, it's like I'd be seeing Dublin yesterday like there was gaps for Mayo to exploit and Mayo got opportunities to kick the ball right Ryan I don't know who got inside a couple of times on his own Tommy Conroy caused a lot of trouble where he got one on one with defenders and I would think if Dublin gave 
carry that space in, in, in like all things being equal it, it it like i think they'll have to improve that dublin have, mm. like they will have to cut off those those kind of kick passes in and and that's you talk about the work right in the forwards around midfield like the front eight and we'll have if dublin do play Kerry in an All Ireland final, which which most of us will probably expect. That's what will happen. Um, with all due respect, to yours, they they'll have to work hard around to, to kind of limit that supply of ball into David Clifford and to limit that quality because he if he gets the type of ball that maybe Ryan O'Donoghue and Tommy Conroy were getting yesterday, he could cause a lot of trouble. Like because because the lads were getting one on one, and the, you know if he gets one on one one on one with a defender, it's very difficult to stop him and, and, and like to like to be goal opportunity if Dublin play like that, to be goal opportunities for Kerry, which is not what you want with with a David Clifford on the field. So I think Dublin when Desi looks back at it, even though it was a very strong third quarter display, I think the fourth quarter of the game was kinda of over. Um there's lots of stuff to improve on for Dublin and, and maybe Dublin and Mayo do that to each other, they kinda of draw each other out into this this free flowing game of football and that probably suited Dublin yesterday. But I think against Kerry you'd need to be a little bit a little bit more cagey with, with Making sure your sweeper is back and you're covering off in front of David Clifford. And, um. Yeah. Do, mm-hmm. do, do you think that um, the Ross Common game, because, you know, there a lot, well, a lot of the talk was actually about how football is ruined now because of the possession thing. Ross Common held on to the ball, was it like six minutes or something? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that and all of the stick that Dublin got, because they seemed really passive then, they let them have the ball, and um, Desi Farrell took them in and was like, you know, you never let a team have the ball for that long again. Yeah. You got to get a hand on because the crowd just went flat, you know, and it, it just it played completely into Ross Common's hand. And a lot of people were saying at the time that this is maybe a blueprint in how to play Dublin. But really what it's maybe done now is woke Dublin. Brought you know? Dublin out, yeah. 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 Woke the beast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's like I think Dublin are happy to play it either way. Like and like against Mon in the semi final, that's gonna be a completely different game than yeah. what we saw yesterday. So Dublin are gonna have to be a lot more patient. Like like Monaghan are are very strong defensively. They kinda do that 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 thirteen, fourteen behind the ball really, really well. So it will be a different challenge from Dublin. Like I would expect Dublin will have to have the players to get over Monaghan, but 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 they will make it difficult for them and, and like Monaghan don't know how many All Ireland semi finals they've been into, but that game yesterday, like a close game, can bring you on so much. Like, and I think um, when you're in a close game like that, it exposes some of the cracks you have that you can work on for the next day. Whereas with Dublin or with Kerry, when you win a game well, it's a bit more difficult to find what the issues were, maybe because you weren't tested as much as you should have been. So I think Monaghan kind of going into the game are probably in a slightly, slightly more ad- 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 advantageous place in Dublin because they've been tested a little more. Um, but uh, like to 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 just come back to the Ross Common thing. I think I think you're probably right in that. I think they decided right. We can't let a game go like that again. We have a, a kind of duty or responsibility to try and play a bit of football here. So let's go out and take the ball. I think you could see that yesterday. They pressed way higher up the field yeah. to try and force turnovers. Um, and maybe they're kind of peaking at the right time and they're just managing games mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and there could be a little bit of that as well. But because um, they certainly upped the ante a little bit yesterday in terms of kind of going after the kickouts going after the Mayo defenders, not giving them any time in the ball and <coughs> kind of forcing turnovers higher up the field. So I would expect to see a little bit more of that against uh, against Monaghan as well, yeah. Yeah, it probably was a case of them up in the ante when, you know, when the stakes get higher. Dublin have done it um, so many times down through the years that we've watched them. Um, one thing that, one man who struggled yesterday was was Park O'Hora and he, Colin Basquell was the man he was marking and he, he really struggled to kind of do you know he wasn't even, he wasn't able to keep up with him and uh, uh, on the turn and uh, and and 
just when he became one on one, he was under under real pressure. And um, I was surprised initially that um, Ahura was was kept in in the full backline. I mean, he kind of Ahura made his name um, that day when when um, Mayo beat Dublin in the twenty twenty one semi final. But he was marking Kieran Kilkenny that day, mm. so he was more out towards the the half forward line. Mm. And maybe uh, looking at him as a player, that that kind of role might suit him better because. Um, and the Hessian has been such an impressive player for Mayo throughout the league. Uh, he, he was one of the best players. We remember the brilliant goal he got. But he was brilliant defensively as well. And, you know, he was brought on after 30 to 32 minutes um, yesterday. But it could have been, like, the way... Ohor just didn't seem to have the pace for, yeah. for Baskell. And that, that, that was probably a mistake from the start for Mayo. It probably was. Um, I might be wrong. I think he was actually marking Costello at the start, and yeah. then got moved on till moved yeah. Mm. yeah. And then that obviously didn't work out either. It was just it was just having one of them days. To be he fair, he was sick happens. last week. In fairness, to miss yeah, the match, yeah, so that could be a thing. Uh, but I take your point as well that like he was marking Kieran Kilkenny that other day, and a little bit maybe uh, a deeper role suits him because he's sort of a. Uh, like he commits to tackles, you know, you're always seeing him every time there's a goal chance around, he's always one of the ones, like he'll put a, his head where you wouldn't put your boot and he'll dive in, but sometimes when you're so near goal and you're defending that way with 100% commitment, you know, you leave gaps in players like Costello and Pascal, you know, they can expose them. Um, I don't want to put, you don't want to blame too much on him for sure, but uh, it was definitely an off day yeah, uh, for O'Hara and a day you'd want to forget. I'm not sure uh, like how much support he had either. Like, like yeah. Like in the current, like in the current game, you don't expect to see one on ones like that, and uh, or we haven't seen one on ones like that in a long time. And I think with Colin Pascal and Cormac Costello, those lads, once they get their turn as as sharp as they can, and they go straight at you. Sometimes you see them coughing up turnovers and stuff, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be annoyed by that because you know when they're playing like that, they're going straight for the juggler. That yeah. occasionally they're going to get caught by two or three men, but just the, the like the two lads are so direct. So a fellow like Porrick O'Hara, I agree with you. If he's Anka Kenny, who maybe isn't as direct as the two lads, if he makes a mistake, he has a bit of cover behind or whatever. But to be look, it's a tough job to mark those, especially yeah. in the form they're in. Like the two of them are so quick, lethal finishers. Colin Pascal's having to obviously hasn't having the season of his life. Cormac Costello, fantastic footballer as well. Like he's 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 he's. he's such a good shooter he wants to take you on all the time he's yeah. a great ball carrier so it's a tough job without much support back there and at times the Mayo sweeper the Mayo sweeper was back but well, they did, um, who, who was sweeping because it's hard to tell I didn't feel like they did in the second half at all and yeah, I don't know German O'Connor he or, was drifting back at times yeah, but, yeah like a midfielder would do that do you know I mean I, I wasn't too sure what Mayo's plan was in terms of trying to cut out the supply from Dublin especially when they were kicking it yeah, it was like it was man on man for a lot. I was watching a lot of it, and as the play was building from the, as the play was building, say from the Dublin full back line, you could see the Dublin forwards were coming together. They were nearly lined up straight. The Mayo defenders were with them, and then as it got to the half back line, or towards midfield, the Dublin forwards were breaking left and right. And I thought that 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 kind of gave opportunity for 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 like Fenton and James McCarthy to give kick passes in and we haven't seen that from Dublin in a yeah. long time because most teams set up so defensively they don't get that opportunity so I'd say it was a game Dublin really enjoyed they could kind of get back to playing football the, the way they wanted but I think they're so experienced now that kind of depending on how a team set up with them they can change the way they play very quickly so if Mayo had a lot of men back Dublin are happy to hold on to the ball and try and punch holes with, with kind of late runners and um, hand passes and stuff or if if there's space to kick you can see Fenton James McCarthy they want to kick the first thing they want to do is they want to kick the ball in and um, for the likes of Cormac Costello and Colin Pascal that's 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 the game they want the ball coming in quick where they can take their men on one on one and look at pay dividends yesterday the, the, the two of them were excellent Yeah well you mentioned that at times 
Pascal and Costello, they can lose the ball and they, they take the risk. They go, they always go, you know, route one and will go straight at their defender, try and put it up to them anyway. Um, they probably, they were the best two Dublin forwards yesterday, but they've really, they've become more consistent in that they don't seem to lose the ball. Like yeah. I don't think either of them lost the ball yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Like I think if you look at Colin Pascal, kind of in particular, he's like, he's been there a few years. I would have seen him um, played against for Plunks against Bally Bowden and he's like he's serious pace and I always thought since I saw him from when he was kind of nineteen twenty that he he has the football in him to 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 like to play into county with Dublin as a regular as a regular starter but he he's kind of struggled for the last number yeah. of years to nail down a place so I'd say he's worked hard on his end product because that's like he's a great ball carrier and stuff maybe his end product he puts the head down a little bit maybe his end product hadn't been what it needs to be the last number of years but as you say I'd say he's worked hard on that with the coach and stuff to make sure if he goes on those runs that he's not getting forced down blind alleys and and, 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 and being turned over like to make sure he's either getting his pass off or getting his shot off the end because you could see yesterday when it looked like he was going down blind alleys as maybe he might have done a couple of years ago he goes down an end line two Mayo defenders come in and strip the ball off and you could see yesterday he tried it right that's not on and he turned back and he kind of shoveled the ball back at recycle the ball back out or whatever so he's definitely conscious of it yeah. Um but like you don't want to take that out of guys because that's what makes them. That's what makes them exciting. That's what makes them special. That ability to carry the ball and take defenders on and make defenders commit themselves. And like to be fair to him, his finish for the goal, like the first goal, was um, like it was a great win, obviously from the high ball in. But it's like like he finished it, it calm. His, like he finished it with his instep. It looked like he kind of he kind of blasted it and he miscued it a little bit. It went in anyway. But when I watched that last night, like he finished that with his instep into the yeah. into the corner, like it was a beautiful finish. To be fair to him, um, so just shows how far he's come in terms of his 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 end product. Because that's I think the one bit that was missing for him over the last few years, and he seems to have found that now. Mm-hmm. And he's on he's on like he's five fourteen, I think, in the championship. Yeah, game. he's like top score from play. Like that's remarkable score. Yeah. Like I'm, I was actually just thinking coming in like two thousand and two. Ray Cosgrove got 623 you're probably too young to remember that but he got 623 that championship and the country was raving about him mm-hmm. and I say there was a few frees in that but Colin Pascal's now at, at 514 from play or whatever it is like it's like it's serious scoring in what's a much more defensive game now than mm-hmm. it was was a number of years ago so it's been a great season for him he's, he's, he's um, I'd say he's happy with himself this morning and I'd say like he's just unlucky too that he's he's always had to compete with this unbelievable Dublin forward lane to get a place and yeah. he probably wasn't even doing a lot wrong yeah no he's fought hard for it like he's had to kind of hang around for f- kind of four or five years he's probably been in and out of the team a couple of false dons and stuff And but he's really improved his finishing has improved this year and, and um, <clears throat> like I'd say the space he was given yesterday to 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 take defenders on is, is kind of music to his ears so I'd say he, he really enjoyed it and I think as as inside forwards, you wouldn't be used to that sort of game, yeah. Like anymore, anymore, particularly with Dublin. And that's why I always say, like I look at it, and even though I lost it, this this team has won more than I ever won. But God, when you look at it, some days, like God, I'd hate to be an inside forward. They're all you're doing is hoping to win the ball, and you're getting hit. You're just laying it off. Whereas, like to see the lads yesterday have an opportunity to take them in on one on one, and and the Mayo lads had it had it as well. It made it for a much more entertaining game of football, and. Um, I don't expect we see it the next day, but but it was good while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. It was good while it lasted, and it was good for Mayo too because O'Donoghue was going well. He got three points from play. He was making hay with the balls that Aidan O'Shea was winning and throwing out to him. And Tommy Conroy's pace was causing Dublin like serious problems. He ran inside James McCarthy one time. He got two from play, and 
you know, I suppose that was the problem and it was a credit to Dublin that they just didn't let Mayo get the ball to those boys in the second half and that really was the end of it for Mayo yeah. because they, they just had to run. That was really their only outlet and especially when they took off Aidan O'Shea, which was a small bit confusing that he was taken off so early, I would say. I was surprised, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like... Like he'd caused trouble. You know, anytime he's in there, like he's... Like he needs watching. Whether yeah. he's playing good or bad or something coming off me, he needs watching and I just... like. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was strange. Now, there was a lot of damage done by the time they, by the right. time they took him yeah, off. There was probably no way back anyway. But um, I was surprised to see him going off because he had like he had caused trouble in the first half. Like he'd 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 won a couple of kickouts. He'd 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 won a ball inside that he laid off to Tommy Conroy for a score. Yeah. So he'd he'd been heavily involved in the game and um, yeah. like he's a ma- like look whatever you say about Aidan Shea and he has he he, he 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 some people think he's great. Some people think he's not so great. But he. He needs watching, and he's like he's a smart footballer. Probably hasn't got the legs to be out the field anymore. Like he'd mm-hmm. probably be happier enough for them out around midfield if you're playing against them. But in full forward, he's definitely a handful. And I think when he went off, it's a bit like Kyle McShane with Tyrone. He just gives a focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes the the attention of a defender too. When he wins it, you can see you can see defenders being drawn to him. He's good to slip a pass off as as we saw with that little pass of Tommy Conroy. So it was it was a, I thought it was a strange call to take him off so soon. Yeah. Uh, one man I wanted to ask you about was James McCarthy and like he's still he's as fit as ever and so many times in the second half he just took off and he's like he's faster than most lads on the pitch and nobody can get close to him um, you would have been there when he came in in 2010 Alan so like w- did you know straight away that this lad was, was something special yeah well he was on he came in 2000, the, uh, towards the middle of 2010 yeah um, like he was obviously he was probably three stone lighter than what he is now. He's put a bit of bulk yeah. on, so he's a different footballer now than he was then. But you could see, like, he ha- he like he just has that aggression. He has that bit between the teeth. He's never beaten. And you could see, like, like he gets, I know he gets personally hurt by kind of criticism. Like, he'll never admit it, but he gets by kind of criticism of Dublin or really? him. He, 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 so he gets the bit between the teeth. And just the way he plays, I think, is just inspiring for lads around him. Like, he's a quiet enough character in the air. Uh, around the dressing room and stuff like he wouldn't be kind of shouting and roaring and stuff but he kind of typifies everything everything that's good about this Dublin team and um, like when he does go like like it's funny we were talking about it last week as if it was last chance saloon for the likes of him and then he comes out and puts in a performance like that like if, like if you looked at him yesterday you'd say Gee, he's three or four or five years left in him no problem you know so maybe we'll Maybe we were writing him off a little bit too soon, but like again, he was given a bit of space to carry the ball yesterday because it yeah. was like a bit more open. He was able to like just that stride he has when he gets going. He's just so difficult to track, and um, like he got off a couple of times. When I saw Tommy Conroy going back after him once or twice, and he, like he's he's, he's lightning lightly. quick, like yeah. So he like it needed someone like him to even to catch James, you know. Um, so he certainly still. I'm not sure what age he is now. Thirty three, is he? Thirty-three or four. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was. Uh, that was an amazing performance by him and um, he even managed like he kicked the score off his left foot and everything I didn't even know he could kick it with his left foot and he got a score off yeah. so he was, yeah. he'd be a happy man again today but I think he's he's like as I say like kind of last year's kind of defeat to Kerry would have would have hurt him so much so you can see you could see yesterday in a big game he had the bit between the teeth for that and, and, and uh, he really took the game to Mayo as I thought Brian Fenton did as well in a different sort of way I thought mm. I thought Fenton's very He's such a calm and influence around the middle, like he never gets. Um, They're perfect mix, him and perfect, McCarthy. Yeah, perfect mix because like James is a bit more, bit more robust, a bit more aggressive. Whereas, um, but I saw Fenton last night. Now I didn't see it on the. 
I didn't see it on the field. I was watching the Sunday game last night. You could see when the final whistle went, like 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 you could see him pumping the fist yeah. and stuff. And I kind of hadn't seen that sort of stuff from him in a long time now. And not, 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 actually, I've rarely seen that sort of stuff because yeah. he's usually very calm. He doesn't. But to see him pump the fist like that and, and kind of let a roar out at the end of the uh, at the end of that game kind of showed showed what it meant to them and how much they had to, how much they wanted to get over the line. In that yeah. Game. Well, about fifteen minutes earlier, um, remember when the kind of row broke out between the two teams. Uh, around the uh, Mayo yeah. half forward line, the second half, Fenton was he, he was, was annoyed. Bullying. Yeah, he was bullying and he was pointing at Killian O'Connor. Whatever went on there, I don't know, but he was fired up. And that you mentioned there that Fenton is kind of the calming influence on McCarthy. You could see that there was a perfect example of that in the first half when um, McCarthy had won a free against Dermot O'Connor, and Dermot O'Connor was he was kind of just standing in McCarthy's way. And McCarthy just pushed him in the face and got the free overturned. Yeah, yeah. And McCarthy, you could see, and it's, it probably goes back to that bite that you talked about that he brought into this game, having been hurt from last year. Like he has, and, and Fenton came over to him then seconds later, just, you know, calm down, yeah, James, yeah. you know. Um, but it is, it's that aggression that he has and, and he still has it. And you yeah. mentioned he just, he'd get hurt and take it personally if Dublin lose. Like, um, that's the kind of player you want as a team. And I suppose John Small strikes me as the exact same. Yeah, just a, yeah they are. They're know. cuffing the same cloth, definitely. And it's, like you mentioned that incident, but I didn't exactly see what happened there, but I could see Fenton pointing at Killian O'Connor. But to be fair to Killian O'Connor, like he's, he's, he's probably in the latter stages of his, of his football career now. But he... He's that same sort of player. Like he, he wants to get involved in everything. And I'd say that's what was wrong with Fenton. He came in. Killian O'Connor kind of came in from nowhere and might have blown that situation up. But that's 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 what you, it's a big thing, Crow Park. That's what you yeah. want from your team. And like I think if there's a criticism maybe of the Mayo, of some of the Mayo forwards now, like they maybe don't have that same that same bite that a Killian O'Connor would have. Like he would be involved. He's involved in everything while still performing. Mm-hmm. But he's like he doesn't take a backward step from anything. Yeah. And and that's an admirable trait as well. Like and and I think some of the other like uh, obviously likes Ryan O'Donoghue, Tommy Conroy. They have talent, but. I'm kind of yet to see the same the same bite from them maybe that the likes of Killian O'Connor has or has had over the last kind of 10 or 12 years so that's certainly something I think the Mayo the Mayo forwards need to develop you know Yeah isn't that what you want though a teammate who's just he's going to take the fight to the other lads and he's not going to step back from Anton and I know sometimes it can boil over but like it can it gets you fired up as well when you see your teammate whether it's James McCarthy or Killian O'Connor John Small Horsing into lads and not yeah. stepping back from Anathan. No, that's it. Yeah, and I thought actually German O'Connor was nearly uh, the best at trying to grab the game at the scruff of the neck because even when it was gone, he was so direct and he was trying to make mm-hmm. things happen. He took a goal chance that was never really a goal chance, but he was just so desperate, you know, to keep going. And I found him very admirable to watch. And it was maybe a, a sort of different way he was trying to take mm-hmm. it, you know, with his actual game in the way that he was playing. But no, absolutely, because, you know, you're getting beat on the scoreline. It can be a little bit embarrassing. And, and of course, it teeters on, you know, getting frustrated and getting them um, and crossing that line. But you absolutely want to show that we're not here to be pushed around enough's enough. And I definitely would feel a lot better of having a teammate like Gillian O'Connor coming in and starting a few rows and when mm. I roll about in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> would them players, Alan, would they be like that in training like James McCarthy and John Small having this kind of aggre- raw aggression? Ah yeah, it would come out like kind of depending on the context of the training game or the drill and stuff yeah. like but when it got into the trenches and training and stuff, those 
those two lads definitely uh, they wouldn't stand back from anything. And I would imagine Killian O'Connor is the set, like he's driving the he's driving the standard in the like in the Mayo train. And yet, like and you need that because when you go into battle against the likes of the Tyrones, the Mayos, the Carriers, or whatever, that's that's what's going to happen. You're going to be challenged physically and mentally. And if you're not prepared to to front up to it, you're, you'll be found out pretty quickly. So, um, and I think that's what the likes of James and John Small and stuff. And I, and, and I think Conor Callahan in a different sort of way as well, like like Conor Callahan, the calmer man. He's a bit calmer than the boys, but he's never pushed around either. And no. it, if he's asked the question of physically, like he'll, like he'll respond in his own composed way, you know. So I think, I think him in there is 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 he kind of leads that forward line very well as well. And they they they, they like the lads know they won't be pushed around when he's when he's in there because he's like he's he's a bit smaller than the boys, but he's strong as an ox. Like. Yeah, and Lee Gannon is a new one and the same kind of uh, cut from the same cloth, really, because I noticed this um, just after half time. Um, Dermot O'Connor obviously started the second half. He, he went to wing forward and was kind of walking around by the sideline, as a lot of wing forwards do, kind of just to open the pitch up. And I could see Lee Gannon, he was about five or ten yards in from the line and he was just there kind of pointing at Dermot O'Connor, like, come on, come into come me. Like, you, you scared yeah. me or what? Like, so, um, but he, he is... Yeah, he likes he's a bit of mind games, yeah. That's good old-fashioned yeah. cornerback mind games. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. He's robust in the same sort of way, like... Absolutely. And then another example, well, I've mentioned Dublin over the years, obviously, Philly McMahon. Yeah. And I'd heard an interview from him recently where he brought up your name. Was it a training session or something? And he maybe let... Tempers flare yeah, and, yeah, and, he, and he had a, a goji. It was a trial match, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. It was yeah. a trial match, yeah, yeah. I don't know if his re- his recollection of that story is uh, is a hundred percent now, but I actually text him about it afterwards. I said, any more of that talk now, Fillion? <laughs> well, go and tell it. What's <laughs> what your what version of the story? Yeah, I can hardly remember. Right, we had a. It was like a. a, a I think it was like trial matches, but uh-huh. we had a competition where kind of regions played against. So four or five Dublin regions, like yeah. we were Dublin Northwest or whatever, or Dublin North. So us, Bridget's, whoever else, and then we were playing against obviously uh, Dublin. Not sure what area they were, but it was kind of Ballymun, Nafina, uh, whoever else, and there was a bit of a there was a bit of a row at the start, and, and I think Paul, Paul, Paul and Philly were in the row, and uh, I think Bernard went into the row, and I probably wouldn't be like Bernard. I think I went into. Philly said I went in to break it up. It wouldn't be like me to be going in breaking up the <laughs> breaking up the railroad or a Jewish I wouldn't be swinging now, but I'd be in I'd be in pulling a dragon like yeah. but uh but yeah, it was interesting. Ah, you wouldn't want to take Philly on the rail anyway. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, anyway. <laughs> this is not a call out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh look, that's enough talk about um Dublin and Mayo. We'll take a quick break now uh to look at the sure no sweat quiz. In partnership with our friends at Shore, official statistic partners of the GA, we're now going to look at the most eye-catching stats from the championship weekend. Um, this week's winner is Christine Farley, who told us that Meath and Down met in the 1991 All-Ireland Senior Football Final. Um, they'll obviously meet again in the Talchon Cup Final in two weeks' time, so we're all looking forward to that. But this week's question is, who is, at this stage of the championship, the top scorer from play? in the Gaelic Football Championship. Um, So now it's up to you, our audience, to give us the answer to this stat-related question on our social media to be in with a chance of winning some sure teamed prizes. The winner will be announced on the show next week. It was similar enough, similar enough pattern. Lee, I'm sorry to bring this one up now. Obviously a very disappointing one for you as a Tyrone man and yourself. And Stephen O'Neill was here last week, Alan, and the two boys. Honestly, (laughs) I was trying to calm them down with all this optimism and all this 
oh, if Tyrone are coming, they're in the long grass and they're going to do it. But um, unfortunately for them, it didn't work out yesterday. Lida imploded in the second half. And I suppose the stat that screams out at you is that this game was 6-all after 27 minutes, Tyrone playing against a strong breeze. And then 27 minutes later, 54 minutes gone, Tyrone hadn't scored again. And Mayo or Kerry had got 1-8 without reply. So game oh. over in... Like it was, what happened? It was so disappointing because I would say actually last Monday with Stevie, that's probably the least hyped I was because I just got progressively more and more as the as the week went on and I was off all weekend because uh, we're at a wedding in, in Tyrone and um, that's all anyone talked about was the match and you know and see by the end of it I was like no we're definitely going to beat Kerry a hundred percent we're going to go back to the days mm. and then oh, I was on a low after watching that it was really really tough to watch but I will say that the following day because I'm a really busy guy. I had a 30th and um, there was a lovely family there and there were four kids and they were head to toe in um, Galbley gear, Tyrone gear. I was like, I'll give them a shout out. It's Daniel, Michal, Matthew and Eamon Mullen. And they were all still very optimistic and they got over it very quick and I'm hearing that they're a good footballer so they'll maybe, the future's looking bright but in, ter- in the short term, I'd be very concerned. The biggest stat I was most concerned about, Kerry scored 111 out of turnovers. Like, when you think of Tyrone and Kerry games, that's Tyrone's bed and bread and butter. You know, they out Tyrone, Tyrone. <laughs> like, it was just so difficult to watch. They It looked like they conceded things. Um, they sat back, let Kerry have the ball. Uh, the kickouts all went short. So, like, I know they allowed Tyrone to have the long or the short kickout, but you've got Con Kilpatrick and you've got Brian Kennedy, and there was question marks over the Kerry midfield going into this match. So, put it in high, let's test them. And I know the Kerry midfielders did brilliant the whole game, but they were never contested. You know, we didn't even try to ask any questions of them. I don't know. Like I was just scratching my head watching that match, to be honest. Mm, well, one thing that definitely stood out was the appetite and the intensity that Kerry brought to their tackling. Um, the one from Adrian Splan epitomised early on when Michael O'Neill had about 20 yards yeah. on him running up the line and Spillane takes off like a sprinter. And in fairness, he's known for that, that kind of work rate and he'll do anything to, to, to get the ball back. Um, and he, he definitely adds a lot to the, to the carry forward line that way. Um, there was, there seemed, there was, it was definitely Kerry's best display this year, and there seemed to be a kind of renewed fire in them, I suppose, after a bit of criticism they've taken. Yeah, like, 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 say, like all the talk during the week was of, of the Tyrone physicality, the Tyrone tackle, how will Kerry cope with that? And, and like even all the, the, like the box pops and the little video stuff was all, all clips. Like the amount of times I saw the clip of from O3 or whatever year oh, yeah. that was. Like <laughs> So maybe they started to play into the, into the Tyrone psyche thinking, like, and there's this perception that you think Kerry are going to come out and they want to play a nice fancy game of football unless they yeah. don't. Like Kerry, are, like Kerry are dogs as well and they have to be. like. And if you look at their defenders, Graham O'Sullivan, Thomas Sullivan, like they're tough, dogs, yeah. tough, mm-hmm. hard cornerbacks. Like, um, so maybe Tyrone f- fell into that trap of thinking we're the ones that are, that yeah. are going to bring the physicality and um, Kerry will want to play football. So, but and it was completely the other way. Like Kerry brought the physicality, and maybe maybe Tyrone just maybe all that talk during the week just fed in a little bit, and they just they just looked like they just weren't ready with it because you say the amount of turnovers and stuff they just couldn't cope with the physicality and the the the, the intensity that that kind of. Hurt. Kerry brought and it was it was kind of a role reversal of what we're what we're generally used to but it's a bit like and I've been on the receiving end of that in Dublin myself where you go into this game thinking we're going to have a nice op- 
open game of football. It's not like Kerry more often than not bring are more physical and more intense than most teams. So um, I think you need to be very, like if you're playing Kerry, you need to be prepared for that. Yeah, they have lovely footballers. How do we stop Clifford? But all over the field, Kerry bring an intensity that, that maybe teams don't expect. It must be hard to take as a Tyrone man that, you know, Tyrone didn't really seem to come to the, the pitch of the battle like Kerry did. And I mean, what stands out for me is the them interceptions Kerry made. The backs were putting themselves and the forwards too. Paddy Clifford getting stuck into Conor Myler. The backs were making interceptions that you wouldn't have, like they, they weren't favourites to win these balls. Um, you'd have memories of Gavin White sprinting out of the fence and he's just an unbelievable player and Tyrone just couldn't get near him. Yeah. Um, when he was running out of the fence. But Tyrone just seemed, um, and maybe there was warnings about this earlier in the year, that they were a small bit passive. And like you, you think back to the league, um, they, remember how disappointing they were against Mayo that day? Yeah. Like it was terrible. And they had some poor, they'd just been inconsistent all, all year, I suppose, Lee. And maybe we had wrote to, or read too much into their win over Donegal. Thinking that you know they're back now and this is this is Tyrone. Yeah, I would never. I, I don't think at any point of this year I thought Tyrone were back in terms of they were that you would know Tyrone to be. But I was really really excited about uh, the full forward line. You know the the Canavans, McCurry, Matty Donnelly, and what they could do. I can't remember the last time like Tyrone had had a forward line with that sort of quality. I was thinking you know we could really we could match Kerry here for scores and output and even a bit of brilliance. Like and you seen Rory Canavan what he can do. I mean, he was only nineteen. That little dummy and the point that was that was the highlight of my whole weekend. <laughs> um, it all went downhill after that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess we yeah, it, it is hard to watch. It was it was really disappointing in the sense that like you can sort of take defeat. You can take it if you went out there and tried to do what Tyrone can do and Gary beat you. Like there's no shame in that. They're the All Ireland champions, but it definitely felt a little bit more like surrender rather than defeat. You know, it didn't feel like. And, and there are exceptions to that because I actually thought Conor Mailer did play very well, and I thought he, he put in a dogged performance with Potty Clifford. It was very even um, that matchup, and and he never let his standards drop. And it's not that I think they went in there on purpose and whatever. I think Alan Brogan made a great point there. Don't know why I said your full name, um, <laughs> but uh, about uh, getting it into the psyche, and that it, it's just going to be the same as it was last time in twenty twenty one, and we're going to be the ones that bring the game. And when they were putting the back foot, they maybe just weren't prepared for it. Mm. Well, yeah, I, the, think the, I think mm. the 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 game against Donegal may have been a little bit of a false dawn as well. Yeah. If you think yeah. like obviously Donegal are in a bit of disarray this year, they've they had a change of manager. Um, they were beaten well up there by Tyrone, so maybe Tyrone felt like 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 in fairness, Tyrone had only beaten Westmead. Like the, the or that's it. Drew at Westmead. Oh yeah, the Drew. Yeah, yeah. Like, nearly like, should have um, lost it. Probably. Should have lost. So so. Um, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of Galway Mayo as well. Like kind of Mayo better. Like if we think about it, Galway Mayo better Galway team that was playing with Sean Kelly, who was who was injured, no doubt about it. Damien Cohn went off at half time, and Shane Walsh, who's 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 had no form all year really. So um, kind of Mayo's form probably wasn't great. It's nearly like we were hoping for these big games, but when you think about them afterwards, yeah. oh, maybe we maybe we got it wrong. And I think. As pundits or whatever, I think everyone got it wrong, like because everyone was talking about these two close games, kind of going to the wire. It's a great opportunity for Tyrone, a great opportunity for Mayo, and as it turned out, it wasn't really. No, no um, it definitely wasn't, um, Lee. And I suppose it's it's disappointing because you can't even you can't really pin the blame on any certain moment or like Roy Canavan coming off was early was a bit surprising. I thought, uh, considering how well like he he looked lively and had got two mm. points. Um, but 
do you know, Kerry were just, they were miles on top. Um, Jack O'Connor had a bit of fun afterwards. He was he was referencing all the talk that Tyrone ha- had the better midfield. And he said, even though the word is out there, all the year is out there, that we don't have a midfield. Um, but we have great faith in, in the two lads. Uh, and Dermot O'Connor and Jack Barry obviously Dermot O'Connor was, was, had a brilliant game and that, the skill he showed for that goal was uh, brilliant the way he, st- he stood, yeah. stepped up and was able to step one lad and straight back in without losing his composure um, that way so that would be great for his confidence um, coming into it one thing I suppose Tyrone hit a lot of kick out short so they didn't really test um, the Kerry midfielders in the air so that was probably a confusing thing for Tyrone considering the, the big men that they have it, there in midfield Kilpatrick and, and um, Brian Kennedy yeah and, yeah. and the, 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 he would sometimes put them into full forward because you could we've got a small full forward Liam Maridonley actually drifts out Con Kilpatrick will go in Brian Kennedy will go in and every now and again but you know they'll rotate they won't like be over reliant on it and they just didn't do it at all I think they put one in and right Jack Barry the one end, yeah. I think yeah and it was like a was that the end of the first half, was it? Yeah, it was right yeah. at the end, yeah. That it was, was like real a real big respect. Even then, I think it was Peter Hart had dropped short, but still, yeah, yeah he had the fact that was, Patrick was there. Like I thought it was a big moment in the game, like here's, like they've they've put one of the midfielders in, here's a long kick going in, which we hadn't seen a huge amount of, yeah. and Jack Barry won it. I was like, oh, that's, that's it, it, it was it was nearly like you expect something yeah. to come off that because they put the big full forward in. But but I agree with you, that's like Matty Donnelly plays a kind of a roving full forward role, like he's not a real focal point in the way Carl McShane can be who'll mm-hmm. stay deep and away for the pass and I thought they missed that as I said at start particularly with the with the smaller lads around the likes of McCurry the likes of the, likes of the two Canavans they need a, a foil in there that can that can win a dirty ball or even knock the dirty ball down to them yeah. that they can that they can play off and mm-hmm. I thought they really missed that they were living off scraps really to be honest with you even though you could like there's no doubt you can see their talent and, and like Crow Park is made for them and I think like on another day we'll obviously see much better performance from the two lads and the two Canavans and and McCurry, I'd say McCurry would be disappointed with with with, with kind of how how he performed. He's obviously around a few years, and I'd imagine this was this was a big game for him. I think you could see the yeah. bit of frustration in him as well, like that 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 you can see he had a little he had a little dig towards the end, and then it showed him like a close up of him, and he's kind of puffing the cheeks out. You could see how disappointed he yeah. was. So it's tough, it's tougher to run, but they learn a lot from him as well, especially mm-hmm. the younger guys. Yeah, they'll have to lick the wounds now um, for the winter, Lee. So. Uh, Best luck with that. Um, I'll not say a word the rest of the podcast now. <laughs> um, we'll move on to Armagh and Monaghan, which was the closest game of the weekend. Went, I suppose that was probably, you could have predicted that really. Um, with Armagh playing, it's, it's always very tight. And uh, they're for, they're another penalty shootout for them to lose. So um, definitely devastating for them that way. But listen, as we have to start this match, talk, or this, talk about this match, talking about Conor McManus. Um, the coolest man in Croke Park uh, 36 years of age came on and made so many huge plays won the free straight away after getting cleaned out of it um, and scored a, an absolute boomer of a free but I suppose the, the biggest play he made was in, in the last the dying seconds of the game um, Reen O'Neill had got that point and it looks like the Armagh winner and you think this is it now um, Monaghan win the free I'd say the one tactic that they would have had was we're going to get this ball to Conor McManus because, yeah. and he even said it in he was at he was interviewed on Diego afterwards and he was like, Do you know I suppose I have I have that bit of experience and I wouldn't have been looking for that ball maybe ten years ago as a player but um, even the composure he showed just to hold on to that ball knowing that the foul was coming maybe yeah. Armagh were silly but 
Yeah, like I thought, like I thought we're a bit, I'm out a bit naive in how they defended. Like there was no doubt they were going to look for Conor McManus, and he came on the loop, and he got one on one with uh, Rugen. Yeah, with Grew, and it wasn't like it was kind of a tangling of the legs. You could see, but maybe Rory Grew should have stepped back a little bit and just let him. Maybe he should have let him go, and he was probably going to get a shot off. But it would have been a difficult under pressure. Under pressure, whereas he just got tangled in his legs, and the referee was always going to give the free once once he went down. But like, like our man had had so many men back for the whole match, and all of a sudden, Conor McManus in the last seconds. One on managed one. to manufacture this one on one situation and they had a free they had goal. a free so the time to set up for this Armagh did like yeah so, so oh. I don't know maybe they just dropped a little bit too deep Armagh and, and but look we might talk about it now but I think Armagh kind of a they've no one to blame but themselves they had the footballers go and win that game and like I think if they had a pressed out at all they wouldn't have too much from on him, but it looked like they were so rigid in their defensive structure and how they played that they, they kind of played right into Monon's hands. Well, that's the way they have, they've been all year. Their games are always very tight and this, I suppose, summed it up in that um, from the first minute to the 90th minute, neither of the teams led by more than two points. So it was a score, it was basically a chess match the whole way up. Um, that Armagh... You, you, were, you were disappointed with, with the way they, they set up for the game, Alan? Yeah, well, I think that like... When I look at it, like I could see how this, like every time they lost the ball, they'd all come back inside, inside the forty-five. And like I even thought where 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 they defended was too deep. Like like it gave opportunities. Like they kind of set up this 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 kind of ring around the outside of the D. But it gave opportunity for Mon. We saw Conor McCarthy got their first score from yeah. outside where their press zone was. Like they need even the way they played. I thought they needed to be an extra five or ten yards out so they, so 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 that they could stop those long range yeah. shots. But even aside from that, I thought like I understand if if they're playing against Dublin or against Kerry and you need to park the bus for a while to stay in the game or whatever. But I think you need to have at some stage you need to show bit of faith in your players say okay look we can go and we can play a game of football with Monon we have better players we think we can beat them but they never tried to press Monon at all um, they never pushed up really at all and if they got a point ahead as you say it was nearly like right we're a point ahead you try and get an, get yeah. an equaliser and we'll defend yeah. until you get an equaliser and then we'll try and go get one ahead again and both teams were like that and and, and like it's a bit disappointing and look a great time for Kieran McGinney Played with him international rules, and he's a he's a great GA man. Knows his football, there's no doubt about it. They have Kieran Donaghy there as well. But why not just go for the juggler? This is an art. Like many regrets are they going to have now today? Thinking if yeah. we'd have done it a different way, we'd be in an All Ireland semi final today, and um, it's disappointing. Do you, do you think as well as like you sort of mentioned that like uh, Trump maybe took too much from the Donegal game in that win, or maybe that win over Galway as massive as it was and as big as it was for them. It more just cemented that actually we are doing this the right way, do you know. Yeah. Like the win, and, the, and even that that came down to Shane Walsh missing a free at the end. Otherwise, yeah. that would have been a draw. So they maybe read too much into it. But I don't know why. Well, maybe you can explain, sorry, because like when they set up like that and they're so condensed, they're trying to force them out wide and into positions where if they do shoot, it's from you know not scoring zones as they say. But like surely scoring zones is relative to the person. Nowadays, you know, like Conor McCarthy scoring zones a lot better than a lot of other ones. I know he's, a, he's they're playing him at half back, but really he's a half forward. It, it it doesn't work anymore. Just setting up completely zonal. You know, you have to. No, that's I don't a, know. that's when I thought where they like where they position themselves wrong because it gave Conor McCarthy the opportunity to shoot. Whereas if they'd have pushed out under five or ten yards, he probably would have, would have been a bit too far out to take the shot on. So then you have to come into the tackle, try and beat a man or kind of try and get a runner off to try and force an opportunity so it was it was. I didn't even think they even did it that well to be honest with you when they set up defensively yeah. um, but I don't think they should have been playing like that like I understand going defensively but I think they had the footballers with Rian O'Neill with the, 
like to get more scores, like fourteen points for, for the forwards that Armagh have to score fourteen points in however long the game, the extra time was whatever, hundred ninety minutes or whatever, yeah. is um, like is a terrible return for the standard of forward they have, and yeah. it, like it's it's like if I was Reen O'Neill or somebody on my forwards, I'd be thinking, God, this is this is a bit frustrating now being being forced to play like this so rigidly um, with what's on the line there, chance chance of of an All-Ireland semi-final they would have had a crack at the Dubs and Crow Park in, in an All-Ireland semi-final let's say they'd, they'd have lots of regrets yeah. Yeah. Uh, even not starting Conor Turbot that was like a statement right from the start mm. like he's, he's an out and out forward <laughs> you know but they decided to leave him on the bench and that was just sort of telling you from the start what yeah, way they're going to play yeah. 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 well one moment that just summed it up for me was 54 minutes gone they were a point down and I'm not sure who it was that put the ball in um, but Rory Grugan was breaking in and down the right wing and he's bearing down on Rory Began's goal and they're a, they're a point down and like the, the, the chance is there like you definitely have the chance to take the shot and he fists it over the bar to bring it back to a level game and you're just thinking like how do you not take how do you not take that chance on but it sums up the, the attitude that the way they've been playing is that it's it's just we'll get one point or we'll keep it level or we'll get one ahead and we'll keep it tight. But when you're playing a game like that, you're leaving it down to, it's nearly down to chance, chance to yeah. the very last minute that you're going to be either ahead, just that coincidentally the clock is going to come and you're going to win. A bit like the time with Galway, like it's just... Yeah, you're leaving too you're, much to chance playing like much, that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, oh, it is disappointing. I mean... With like that Roy Grugan one, I suppose that kind of summed it up. But how, like, when you're just going for this one point, and then you kind of sit back, and we'll sit back, and you can get yeah. you, you see if you if you can get your point back. Um, I don't know. It's 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 disappointing and definitely hugely disappointing for Armagh. But I suppose, listen, lads, Monaghan, we've been we've yeah. been talking about them all year. About they've now won. Um, They've won four, this is the fourth game this year that they've got a result with the very last play of the game. So it was the Ryan O'Toole goal versus Tyrone. None of us will, will forget that. There were two points down. He had to go for it that time. Yeah. Uh, or no, they weren't two points down. They were one point down and he yeah. could have fisted it over, but he buried it. Um, he went for the win when the, when the, when the chance was there. Uh, Carl O'Connell got a leveller against Derry, last kick of the game. Conor McCarthy against Kildare just last week. And this time it comes down to whether it's Conor McManus's last kick or Rory Began's last save from from Callum Comiskey, um, Monaghan just have unbelievable reserves of character in that team. Um, Finney Corey was very mag- magnanimous. I thought after the match, he said, "We didn't win the match. We won a penalty shootout," um, which was, uh, uh, I suppose, it, w- it was just a nice way of taking it. But um, he was ve- he was full of praise as well for, and of course he was for them Monaghan Warriors. I mean. He said, they're warriors. You had Darren Hughes and Carl O'Connell, 35, 36 years of age. We took Carl off because he got a bang on the back of the head. He wanted to get back in. Them boys are built for it. He said, then you have Manzi. He's the ultimate clutch player, probably Manon's best ever clutch player. And he's done it again. And I suppose you look at McManus, um, Hughes and O'Connell. McManus himself said that he he admires O'Connell and Hughes. They have two or three kids at home and they're still making it in for... For Monaghan training, you know, so um, you've probably played against them yeah, a few they, times. Um, they've always been like that, like Monaghan, right from from early in my career. Like, like they've always been really tough to beat. Like under Pillar in when Pillar Caffers in charge, we used to play 
the, like if he wanted a challenge, Monaghan was the Monaghan was the go to team for a challenge really? because he knew he knew the battle you'd get off. And like a lot of challenge matches, uh, uh, kind of early season challenge matches. Um, there's probably not as many anymore, but when we were playing, they'd be kind of they could be timid enough affairs. You kind of you start with fifteen, you roll in subs and stuff. But we used to play challenge matches against Mon, and, and we could play two or three in a season because he knew no matter what when we went up there, they came down to us. There was always going to be the battle. I remember there was one match abandoned, one friendly. Um, we were playing out in St David's and it was abandoned because it just got too messy. But then that was a challenge match, so it was. So they always bring that to the table, whether it's challenge matches or whether it's league games or whether it's our Ireland quarterfinals in Crow Parks. You know, what, like you know what you're going to get with them, and that's that's it, it, like it was a dangerous game that Armagh played because you know Monaghan are going to stick with. If you leave they'll them in stick. the game, yeah. they'll stick with you. They'll keep going. They'll find an opportunity. And he said they have players like Conor McManus that if if there's one or two in it, he can come in and he, he's like there's only a few players in the country can do could come into a game like Conor McManus did and make that sort of impact like between landing his freeze winning the freeze getting the scorey kick from play like it was like I just said it was a brilliant performance so if you leave them in the game they're that sticky that they will uh, that they could catch it and kind of yesterday they did but, but but like I said they've always had that 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 kind of tradition they're always up for the fight they're always up for the battle um, and yesterday they came out on top because of it Yeah well they'd have had that belief wouldn't they even mm. just looking at last week beating Kildare in such a tight game beating Tyrone earlier in the year in such a tight game when it came down to it whether it was the end of the 70 minutes or the end of the 90 minutes when you get into that winning habit I'd say Alan winning tight games you just you probably don't even you don't think you're going to lose no, you don't, and you know how to create the opportunities as well. I think, and they're they're kind of well used to being in those sort of games. So you could see, like, they never panicked even when they went to when they went to score down at the end. It looked like looked like time was Curtains, up. It looked yeah. like Armagh were defending with so many men back that just they'll never even create an opportunity here. But they had that composure to wait for to play it around, wait for Conor McManus to come on the loop and kind of one sidestep, and he was through. So it's it was it, it, it was a. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. Whilst they're always up for the battle and stuff, they do show remarkable remarkable composure, yeah, I suppose. The composure in that the kind of dying seconds of games to be able to manufacture scores and manufacture opportunities mm. to get themselves wins or wins or draws. So yeah. was, um, they're not completely reliant as well on the on the older guard, obviously no. they're massive, but like, you know, Gary Mohan's a young lad and he scored three points from play. He was up and down, you know, we took his penalty, his second one well. Uh, Conor McCarthy must only be 26 or 7 you know coming into his prime he has stepped up big time yeah massively that's what I'm saying and now they've got um, their minors in the All-Ireland Final so there's you know I think there's more good days to come from on it it isn't so much as a last hurrah just more of a statement that this is who we are and what we'll always be did you see the shootout the camera pan to their five uh, kickers beforehand and the boys were just so relaxed like Gary Moan was there smiling and Kieran Hughes was smiling and I doubt the Armagh lads were smiling. Like. Yeah, yeah, and that was um, well. I suppose they got the last minute score, so that or the yeah. last second score, so that gives you that bit of that bit of euphoria coming over. Like, where's Armagh coming off the field with a bit of disappointment? How do we let that slip? So, and no like, one they've lost three cycle. penalty shootouts as well. Yeah, true beforehand. Yeah, so know? this is probably playing in the back of the mind. And look, most of the penalties were of top oh quality. God. To be fair, they were they were really really good, but. Um, yeah, look, I think the rule that you, that it's the same five lads is a bit of a strange rule. I think yeah. Once it goes into into sudden death, you should be moving down the should be moving down the rest of the panel, and, and like it's obviously tough on the tough on the guys that miss. But I suppose that was probably the most entertaining part. For it was the penalties at the end, kind of it probably saved us from the actual game. To be honest, which yeah. is having that yeah. drama, that yeah. drama towards the end. Yeah, I, I did not expect um, them Monaghan lads to miss. Like just looking at Conor McManus. 
He was never going to miss a penalty. No. Uh, Kieran Hughes, he his penalties were probably the best of them. He shaved the post. His second one was absolutely Same perfect. Man, yeah. Like, um, what's the fellow's name? Oshin that came on and got t- t- hit the one for Armagh. They were saying he was the he played soccer in the Northern Ireland uh, league. Oshin Connerty. Uh. He hit a, the first one. He hit, just rolled it down. It was like a soccer penalty. It was brilliant stuff, and. Uh, Jack McCarran, obviously. Jack McCarran, yeah. He, expect him to dispatch a penalty. Like yeah, him. and he put the second one down the middle, as did Gary Moan. The yeah. two of them were... Gary Moan's second one now, it was it was, it was was tidy tipping there. Oh, well, I'm not sure he, if he was going for the middle now. I'd yeah. say he was edgy stepping up to it now. Yeah. Had to be. But, uh, Had yeah, to I'd be. say he was a relieved man now when it went in, yeah. He definitely was. And Callum Comiskey, you'd feel for him, like as you said, Alan, it's, that it comes back twice. Um, and it makes it so the order tough. They did, well. but you probably wouldn't blame them because they knew he. But who missed. did that? Like, was it him? Do you know I'm what sure I mean? It was probably between either them or the the management. I seen someone had a picture up on Twitter, and Kieran Kieran Donnelly could hardly even look at the penalty uh-huh. shoot. He had like his back turned to it. He was so nervy. Uh, it was tough on Comiskey because he was their only one that scored in the Ulster final in the penalty shootout, and then. Um, yeah, you looked edgy. It's a lot to put on. It's a lot to put on. Like if you miss your first, oh, and you're coming back yeah. for your second. Like that is, with what's at stake there. Like that is a huge. Um, that's a lot to put on somebody. That's why that that that's probably that's a real that should probably be looked at. Let it if it yeah. goes to sudden death. Let it go it's down strange. to the team because it is strange. Yeah, yeah, it is strange. And poor Kieran McGinney after the game, like he was barely able to talk. Like he had the cap on and I was reading reports that said you could barely hear him from a few yards away. He just said, you know, that's sport and sport is cruel. And I suppose it was, it was cruel for, for Armagh. Um, Monaghan to take the win and uh, they're through to an All-Ireland semi-final against uh, Dublin and it's definitely going to be, you know, their Dublin you'd expect would have um, too much class for them but they'll turn it into a battle, Alan, um, that's for sure. Just, um, we've one more game to talk about is the Derry-Cork game. Derry won by four points. Probably went along um, expected lines. It was... You thought maybe before halftime when Cork got their little surge, came from 6-2 down and got back to 6-5, you're thinking back to their uh, win over Roscommon mm-hmm. and you're thinking, are Cork, are they coming again? But uh, it was credit to Derry that they kind of banished those hopes fairly instantly um, in that they scored the first four points of the second half. Um, and I know Cork did get a goal, but Derry gobbled them up within 54 seconds. They went down and got the other goal. So... Um, Cork, like they, they were there, thereabouts early on. We'll probably rue some early wise at that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I fell for Cork now because they did fight hard to get back into the game. And uh, Maguire got the goal. He's been in some form for a fullback modern game, as we talk about. And, you know, he gave it a big celebration and gave it a lift. And even watching he the kissed, game. He blew kisses to the crowd. I know, yeah. It was yeah. brilliant. You not see that too often anymore, <laughs> yeah. No, it was brilliant. Because even watching it, you got a bit flat just because, you know, it was a bit dull. And, yeah. then, and then for about 54 seconds, you know, and then and it was a Doherty got the goal down the other end. And what a finish it was, to be fair. Class. It was brilliant. Um, but that just sort of killed the game again. I was like, all right, okay, we're just back to where we were. <laughs> wasn't but wasn't that some finish from, from Rory Maguire? Yeah, oh, yeah. Finish, to be fair. yeah like he finish. was going full belt as well. Yeah, like, I no slowing down. Like, even to see it, even to see the to keeper see off it. his line, like it was a, it was a beautiful finish. But uh, I like, I think Cork were probably and, and when they look back at it, like and if you, like a team learns a lot along the way. Like it was just a bit naive to concede a goal so quick after. Yeah. Like, next time or next year, if we concede a goal, just batten down the hatches for, for a couple of minutes and let's make sure we stay in the game because it was um, 
it was nearly like like he'd come from full back or the half back line or whatever. He'd he'd done he'd done a bit of a celebration, and you might think of it, but those celebrations take it out. You like when you come back, next thing you're gasping for breath after the so much emotion, so much adrenaline, and then you have to stop and play again, and all yeah. of a sudden you're knackered. We actually stopped it, like even. Colin Pascal's goal yesterday, like that was as his 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 second goal. I think he he kind of came out with the hands yeah. out. That was as much of a celebration I've seen from a Dublin player after a goal in a long time. Like, and remember with Jim Gavin, we we are no wonder Pat Gilroy first actually. My pillars in charge. We used we were fond of an old celebration, but when um when Pat got involved, it was like let's stop that nonsense. Once you get a goal, get back out and get back into the full forward line. You're looking to shut down the short kick out, you know. Whereas Cork probably might have overdone it a little bit, yeah. and then they just weren't set upright for when Terry attacked them quick for off the kick out, you know. But uh, they learned from that, and, and and but as you said, the game kind of went the way we'd expect. Kind of Cork never really got close enough to really think that they were barred. Obviously that goal yeah. and that was, but they never really got kind of got close enough to to. For me to really feel like right, there might be an upset in the cards here. And but in saying that, I think Cork will be Cork will be happy enough for how the year panned out. Like from where they've come from to where they finished up this year to 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 and kind of like the force Derry, they forced Derry to play, they forced Derry to come out and win the game. Certainly put them put them under a bit of pressure. Probably not having Brian Hurley on the field from the start. Probably might be coming back from injuries or whatever. Like like a team like Cork. They need the marquee forward like him on the field, even if even if he's not scoring just. The attention, distraction, yeah. the distraction, and the attention that he uh, he demands of opposition defenders is they just don't have anyone of that of that caliber. So they probably missed him on the field to play. But I think it's a positive year from Cork, and I would have expected Derry to be in the semi final. Was that tough to hold the celebration back? Would you even give a, a wag of the finger? You have to give a little wag so Pat Gilroy didn't see you doing it. Hide <laughs> <laughs> on this side of your body. <laughs> I remember that, back in two thousand and two, like we we. Uh, when, when Ray Cosgrave scored the six goals, like if you watch back that on YouTube, like he had a celebration for every, I think at one stage he shot a few bone arrows <laughs> into the top of the Kielsey stand and stuff. So it was, it was great stuff. But it's, uh, I was good to see it. Like, and look, you look at Colin Pascal, like to get two goals in an All Ireland quarter final, um, that's something to be celebrating, especially oh, the yeah. second one probably killed the game. So I wouldn't begrudge him an L, L celebration back out. But there's no doubt it does. Like if you get caught up in the euphoria of that moment in a big game, as you can see yesterday, you can get caught in. Cork unfortunately paid the ultimate price. Kind of Derry were experienced mm. enough and could move the ball at that pace. That to because they hadn't created much up to that, and all of a sudden Cork just took the eye off the ball for a second and kind of Derry were through for the goal, and that was probably game over then once they once they conceded so soon after their own goal. Yeah, so it was actually told to you like cut out that celebrations. That's <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't so yeah 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 kind of was yeah, That's but it wasn't so yeah. much cut out celebration. It was more to get back into. That you're set up, like, on, yeah, like at that time the short kickouts were starting. So if you turned your back for a second, like if you turned your back on Stephen Clough or any of the goalies now, like, like as soon as that ball's in the net, you, but the goalkeeper's out and the play is gone again. So if you're mm. doing the L, the L bow and arrows into the top of the Cusick stand, like, you're gonna, yeah, yeah, I think Cosy went round the goal at one stage as well. He got was it against. Uh, Maybe against Donegal, and he went round the back. It was a hill sixteen goal around the back, like and in, into the hill. Like, should the ball be out and up the up the other up the other end of the field if you're at that? Do, do you think it should be like or soccer? Or they should do like a give it time, a, th- a throw in again. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good. That'll allow fella celebrate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you, you have to set yeah. up again. Although they'll set up all different. You could be over into the corner flag and everything. Yeah, yeah. we'd bring it doing the old <laughs> bowling alley. Yeah, <laughs> cleaning the shoes. I'd love to see that. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a good call, actually. Yeah, after yeah. a goal, after a goal, we have to have a thirty-second break to allow for the celebration. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> see what Maguire would have really done, like if he yeah. knew he'd done. <laughs> see, it was perfect for him because he was running and he had the momentum. Yeah, and he yeah. was yeah. sprinting. Yeah. Yeah. Just when, you, when you have the arc coming around, yeah. he was just there going. Bernard got one. Uh, Bernard, his first goal against Leash. It was at uh, two thousand five, maybe. He got a. Uh, I think Conal Keane, I, I might have slipped him a hand pass and he got in and he, he finished right in the corner but, but he was going full bend towards the hill so as soon as he kicked it, he still had that momentum that, that he could keep going on the arc around, he came back out around the, out around the Cusick stand and I never, he was playing wing forward at the time and he got back to his position like and straight away he's down on the hunkers trying to get his breath back. But it wasn't the run, it was the celebration that knocked the stuff out of him. He'd done a whole yeah. victory lap. Yeah, he nearly did. It's gas. Colin Bascal now could be dropped the next day for his, his wild oh, yeah. celebrations yeah. after that <laughs> that first goal or that second goal. Um yeah, I suppose it was. Sure, that was that was the the turning point of that game. It was um the f- it was fifty four seconds and disappointing for Cork was McCluskey, who was unbelievable on the ball. Yeah. He made the break, got through, set up Doherty, who finished it a bit like Dermot O'Connor's one for Kerry. Um unbelievable composure. Um but look, it was a it was a very dairy like performance. Like Garrett McKinless was brilliant, uh Brendan Rogers kind of blotted Ian Maguire out of the game, Ethan Doherty, Paul Cassidy chipped in with their customary scores. It was fairly standard from Derry, even though Shane McGuigan wasn't on fire, but they didn't really need him. Um, and from a Cork perspective, as Alan said, they won't be too disappointed with the yeah. year, maybe disappointed with how the last 15 minutes petered out after that Rory Maguire goal. But, you know, they've had a, a positive year and have definitely upped, um, upped the ante a small bit. So, Look, it's it's hurling um, next weekend, but um, we're back in in two weeks, and it, there's there's only four left standing now. So Dublin, Monaghan, Kerry, Derry, and the Talja Cup final meet and down in two weeks' time. Um, a lot to look forward to, um, and uh, we're definitely looking forward to them. So look, th- thanks a million to Alan for coming in. Thanks to Lee, and thanks to our sponsors. Um, sure, uh, seventy two hour protection today, and uh, we'll be back uh, next week. You've been listening to the GAA Hour, brought to you by Sports Joe and Shore. 72-hour non-stop protection, tested to the limits. Shore, it won't let you down.